Do you keep things about the relationship from others? That's a big one. If you think that you're like more forgiving or understanding of the situation than like your parents or your friends would be, like other people you trust who have proven to be there for you, like <laughs> big red flag, yeah, big red great. flag. <laughs> yep. Welcome to The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. We are breakup coaches, here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of X-Files podcast. And if you are here for the first time, welcome. We are so glad that you are here, and we hope that the podcast helps you out. Before we get started talking about trauma bonds and fantasy bonds, we want to um, offer our services. (laughs) Breakups can be hard regardless of the relationship dynamics. If you are listening to this podcast, it probably means that you are looking for tips and techniques to help you on your healing. If you would like to take things a step further, contact us on Instagram for information on one-on-one coaching support. And we also have an invitation to everyone listening. If you would like to submit questions for Claire or for myself and or myself, because you can definitely ask us the same thing. Yes. We are going to do another Q&A episode to celebrate our 100th episode. So, yep, we are rounding the corner on 100 episodes. So we thought that that could be a a way to celebrate and also get to know our audience. You get to know us a little bit more. So what would you like to know about Claire's cats? What would you like to know about um, my crazy life? Uh, You can hit us up in the DMs on Instagram with those as well. We will be collecting them over the next few weeks and then yeah doing them in an episode so let us know you know what's uh what's your craziest most creative question um it's not going to be as much about breakups as about us so yeah yeah but you are welcome um like the number of people who slide into my dms and they're like oh my god i have a dumpster fire of my own and like (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's uh so you're welcome to like also you know, ask about. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, and be, um, you're welcome also to comment on some of the, um, things that we've talked about on the show. Um, I know before this drops, um, our first date episode is going to drop and Claire and I had differing opinions on more than one thing as far as first dates go. And so, yeah, you can even just let us know what you think and we'll read it on the air. So let us know what you'd like to know. And you know what, maybe just what you think of the show that might be fun as well. Reading some reviews or some DMS, Um, please make sure to let us know that it's okay with you that we share. Awesome. So before we get started, there is a trigger warning for this episode. We will be talking about addiction, drugs, and domestic violence. So please um, proceed with caution as far as when, where, and if you continue on. If you do decide to continue on and you start feeling triggered by something, please 
do what you need to do to take care of yourself. You do not have to complete this episode. I mean, I feel like we're making this out to be a really big deal right now. We've definitely talked about these things before, but I just want everyone to have permission to like, you you can leave at yeah. any point if you are feeling uncomfortable. We're We're gonna be okay. We'll see you in the next episode. Definitely. And with that, we will get on with trauma bonds and fantasy bonds. We will be starting with trauma bonds. And I just want to point out, we happen to be doing these in the same episode, but they're very different different. uh, concepts. But yeah. So first of all, trauma bonds, let's talk about what it is not, which I actually think (laughs) is very important to do. So I was under the impression because I guess how I've heard people talk about it, Mm -hmm. that trauma bonds are bonding with someone over a traumatic experience, like that the two of you went through together. And it is not that I'm not sure exactly why I thought that, except that I believe that it's probably just being misused. And I just, you know, I want to put this out there. I think it's really important that people do research and learn for themselves what various things mean Mm -hmm. before you start applying it to your circumstance or someone else's circumstance. Because when you misuse terms, it can actually do a lot of harm. You know, we've seen it with things like the overuse of narcissism for instance so uh, you know I think always do a little bit of digging before you just grab onto a a term Um, I was though a little validated because a couple days ago I was listening to a very popular podcast that I love and they misused it which I was so surprised yeah Um, but see that in and of itself they've got um, a huge audience and Mm -hmm. so it's yeah, be be careful with that. So yeah. it's not and, bonding with someone over a trauma. Exactly, because you'd be like trauma bonding, bonding <laughs> exactly. over trauma, right? But mm-hmm. it's it's not, and we'll get into what it is. Um, yeah. So I think it's one of those uh, terms where it's like the words are so basic that you're like, I don't have to look this up. I know what it means. Yes, like um, <laughs> ex- a codependence is another perfect example. People yeah. throw that around without having ever even looked it up and that can be harmful too yeah cool so medical news today defines trauma bonding as a psychological response to abuse it occurs when the abused person forms an unhealthy bond with the person who abuses them another term for trauma bonding you may have heard of is stockholm syndrome Mm -hmm. so why does this happen So toxic behavior may seem normal to you based on your previous experience, whether that was how your primary caregivers treated you, therefore modeling what love is, quote, supposed to look like. Or, you know, if you feel like you've had a wonderful, amazing childhood, but you feel like you've had unhealthy relationship patterns that could have started with like a highly impactful adult relationship that shifted things for you. Mm -hmm. Um, The angry therapist explains the cycle like this. The reward and punishment dynamic slash cycle trains us to want, desire, and fix the relationship, partly because we tie our worth to the love that we get. So if we don't get love, we believe we are worth less. And when we do get love, we believe we're worth more and since we all want to feel worthy 
we wait, we fix, we make excuses, we negotiate, compromise, put our needs aside, change our behavior to get that love because it means we have more worth or value. Especially if we've been conditioned this way from our childhood. There's another layer that gets us to default to this pattern, adding fuel to the repeated cycle. And the longer we're in the cycle, the stronger the bond. The bond can then be mistaken for chemistry slash sexual attraction. Yeah. And like Chloe was saying, the, this can kind of go back to early ideas about relationships. And I know, um, you know, as most people in the audience know, I was in a domestic violence situation Mm -hmm. and I have to say, I also had lots of drama in my marriage as well. And I think at some point when I was kind of young, I got the idea that relationships are, you know, hard work and that there's lots of passion and even that fighting was normal, even though my parents didn't fight in in front of us. For some reason, I just, I had this romance around couples that would do like the ice fire and ice type situation. In fact, I remember when I was quite young, like maybe 18, I had like friends of friend and they, he was the, the male in the relationship had, had some issues. And I remember they would fight in front of us and he would get so out of control. Like, I think one night he like broke a mirror or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I'm out of here. And he's like begging her not to leave. I know. I know. Yeah. And I was thinking for like that it was romantic. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I am just horrified that I thought that, but you know, I think that a lot of people do have this idea about relationships and it can, it's not always the cause, but it can cause you to yeah. you know, stay in bad situations. Yeah. Cause it like, you know, it makes it more exciting if you're fighting all the time. And it's also like, we hear, I want someone who will fight for me. And a, yeah. a lot of times couples are setting up circumstances where one partner has to fight for the other yeah. because of like a toxic situation, not mm-hmm. because of like, uh, uh, maybe more legitimate, healthy reason. Yeah. So. And uh, I, I just want, I mean, relationships are not supposed to be that way. They do not have to be that no. way. They can be calm. Yes. Another example of this, like kind of, um, dynamic is what we covered in episode 52 rescuer syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that could be a big one. So a trauma bond is very similar to being addicted to a person. Why are we addicted to a person or especially a person who causes us pain or chaos? So you've probably seen drugs portrayed on TV or maybe you've even done them yourself. (laughs) Um, But the high is always followed by a low. That's kind of the rule. So the contrast really contributes to how good that high feels. Addicts can even get to a point where they have to do their drug of choice to just feel normal. Yeah. It doesn't even get them to that original high anymore. They just have to do more and more and keep doing it to feel normal. So after a tumultuous, heated relationship, a normal, healthy relationship may feel like something's wrong or maybe you don't feel like you trust that you actually love your healthy partner because it doesn't feel like that anymore. It's not like that. There's no chemistry we hear a lot. So Mm. I don't think people realize that our relationships, sleeping habits, exercise, et cetera, they all affect our brain chemistry on the same pathways as 
highly addictive drugs. In the Psychology Today article, the brain can work against abuse victims, the hidden ties to toxic partners by Rhonda Freeman, PhD. Freeman I think we talked about Rhonda Freeman before. On yeah, I'm sure she's come up. Freeman writes, several important ingredients that contribute to someone's addiction to their abuser are oxytocin, the bonding hormone, endogenous opioids, pleasure, pain, withdrawal, dependence, corticotropin releasing factor, so withdrawals, stress, and dopamine, so craving, seeking, wanting. Yeah. All of those those verbs, <laughs> <laughs> those definitely apply. Like I think anyone who's been in this situation, they're like, oh my God. So with such strong neurochemistry in dysregulated states, it will be extremely difficult to manage emotions or make logical decisions. If all of that is working against you, like, of course. Yeah. So let's talk about the flight, fight, freeze, fawn responses. We do not have control over which response our body takes. Like, in, when in, in, in situations of high in stress this, exactly mm -hmm. like we could think now like oh if i got attacked on the street i'd totally like fight back or i'd run away but it's really like our body kind of does what it does um based on like whatever subconscious conditioning we got we don't really have control over it that's one reason that like basic training for military or paramilitary is so emotionally and physically intense is because they're literally training your body to do certain responses when under threat that might not have been natural for you in the first place. Um, and as civilians without specialized training, you cannot predict what you would do under extreme stress, especially when it's someone you love and you think cares about you and they're doing something wrong to you. Often victims of attacks are asked like, why didn't you scream? Why didn't you run or fight? And you just don't have control over yeah. what you do it's just mm. you do what you do yes and you can give up your control as well you know when you're seeking that high yeah. I can say from personal experience you know when my partner or my abuser and I would come back together you know nothing really felt as good as mm, that would yeah. feel and yeah. you know especially as someone who has struggled with you know not feeling loved by you know, people who should love them, my family, I couldn't replace that. I didn't know how to replace it. And I was just, I was constantly chasing it, you know, yeah. in a way I'm still chasing it, but I've learned <laughs> how to give it to myself and it's awesome. Yeah. There is something called the chemical release of chaos that often happens during conflict. Hormones released during a stressful moment cause your body to go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode and respond without thinking. Endorphins work on the same pathways as opioids do. The coming back together in a toxic relationship or with an abuser can feel so good and is such a release of the pain that a person has been feeling that it can become nearly as addicting. This is very, very similar to continuing to look at social media after a breakup or to feel like you just have to reach out to your ex, you yeah. know, when you're trying to go no contact. Yeah. Additionally, the contrast between the devastating low right before, like you mentioned, and then the reuniting, the forgiveness, the good times returning, it makes the high seem even better. So even if your abuser is just returning to a level of being a decent human being, they're not even like love bombing you or anything. They're not even like being a good partner. They're just being like 
a good enough partner yeah yeah that can feel like oh my god this is all amazing totally like- I remember my ex would go like to the store and I would just be like oh my god you know, like, thank you that's amazing this yes. is great you're feeding yourself I know I guess me too <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and it's like the, the bar is so low um totally. so yeah. Um, and our ability to reason when we're subjected to all of those like chemicals in our brain, just getting shifted around, like we just, it's so hard to make a good decision. Yeah. It is point. possible. Look, I mean, we do have control over it, but you have to really practice and it can very much feel as though you don't. And it, you, it yeah. really helps to get support to figure out how to get out of these cycles because it can feel completely outside of your power. Yeah, exactly. And you can be very like over-functioning in every other area of your life. It has nothing to do with like your abilities or anything. So um, another factor is cognitive dissonance. So if someone is on one hand acting like they're totally the love of our lives and we think that they're the love of our lives and then they also do something really terrible to us Mm -hmm. continually and it's like that's not good but you it your brain really has a problem with holding two incompatible ideas at the same time so like for instance thought a this person is awful and dangerous and is hurting me physically and emotionally but b i also believe that they love me they're a good person and they're capable of being different they didn't mean to hurt me and the only reason they're doing this is because their own trauma and i should be understanding and love them unconditionally and victims either choose b over a in order to not stay on the more painful side of cognitive dissonance because the more painful side is that this person is abusing me and I'm here and I love them. Like that's very, and I have to walk away and I have no idea how, how to do that. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, might be the most dangerous moment of this whole circumstance. Yes. And, you know, the promise of love and the desire to be loved is something that a lot of people struggle with it. This is a pain that can reside on a very, very physical level. And it's something that many of us will seek to put a bandaid on. And there is an enormous power imbalance that often comes into play in these relationships. If you don't feel as though you can safely escape or stand up to the person abusing you, freezing might seem like the best option. So you stay. And I can definitely relate to that. I was like scared of this person who I was with. And um, I would do that. I'd just be like, okay, whatever you want and just yeah. and stay and not even think about how can I stand up for myself? What should I do? How do I get out of this? I was just, I really wouldn't sometimes just want to do anything, but you know, yeah. apologize and just try and get them to calm down, even though it was just coming out of nowhere. So then um, that's a big um, dynamic to some of these things as well. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the signs that you may be in a trauma bond. 
Some of these signs came from a great podcast episode that I listened to on the topic. I like to refer to our sources when we rely heavily on, on, on something. And that is inner source healing from toxic abuse by Deborah Ashway. I recommend that podcast and I found it very helpful researching this topic. So some signs. First, do you prioritize this person's calls or needs? Mm. Do you feel like you have to make time for the person no matter how busy you are? This is such a red flag. <laughs> Seriously, you never really have to make time for someone when you are feeling like you're spread too thin or, you yeah. know, if you have pressure to make sure that you fit this person in you know, you should pay attention to that pressure. And definitely this was a red flag that I completely ignored when I was getting to know this guy. He was so demanding of our phone calls and making sure that we talked pretty much any time that I, all the time, even when yeah. I was with people, he would be messaging me and calling me. And if I didn't pick up, he would get angry. And I yeah. think I've told this story before when I was like walking back from the subway trying to go have some dinner one night and I get to the restaurant and I'm trying to hang up so I can go and enjoy my dinner after a really long day. And he is like, oh, and I was saying my phone's going to die anyways. So, you know, I'll talk to you another time. And he was so mad. He's like, you have an iPhone. You know, there's no reason why you can't ask the bartender for a cord. You know, he's like, just go in there and be like, who has an iPhone cord and call me. And I did it because he was just getting so bent out of shape over it. And, yeah. you know, like what? You don't want to talk to me. Um, it <laughs> seems crazy now, but that I did insane. it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there on the phone with him while I'm having my taco salad that I was really looking forward to. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. So another red flag. Are you on a roller coaster of very high highs and extremely devastating lows? This yeah. is not love. It is not. No, no, mm -hmm. it is not. Um, another clue could be, or red flag fights over very small things um it just like sets up more circumstances where you're bonding with this person over the drama mm -hmm. um even though you know the fights you're like why are we fighting about this <laughs> it's a red flag for a crazy. person in general who would get yeah. get mad over small things yeah exactly leaving the relationship feel really overwhelming um, and why, let's talk about this for a second, though, because I think that it's important to point out why this is an indication of a trauma bond is that you have the capability of walking away from any relationship and you will yeah. be fine on your own. And when you have this much stress and overwhelm, you know, considering life without this person, that's an unhealthy bond. And it's a possible sign of a trauma bond. It's not the only sign, but it's a possible sign because I think you could feel this way in other relationships and yeah. for other reasons. Yeah, exactly. So like the, I guess the difference, um, could be in, like what flavor is that overwhelm is it like sadness as in you would like miss this person but you know you would be okay or is mm -hmm. it like i fully believe that i cannot exist yeah. without this person mm -hmm. and if it's um, also combined with some of these other things that we're yeah, talking about as yeah, well exactly so do you feel like nothing you do is ever good enough 
that's a big one. Um, especially because like likely you're being told anything you do is not good enough and you just keep trying and you're like, it's my fault. I need to fix myself yeah. in order to make this person happier because mm -hmm. they're not happy with me. Um like, do you think you can fix your partner one day and the abuse will stop? You're like, oh, if I'm just, if I just do everything perfectly, they won't yell at me anymore. Um, when in reality, the first time that someone becomes abusive, that's probably a sign that that's yeah. how they are. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're also, they're testing to see oh, like, yeah. are oh, you, yeah. what, what will you put up with? How far yep. can they push you? Um, do you believe your abuser when they explain that you are the reason that they acted the way they do did their behavior is always because you messed up, like your phone was running out of batteries or mm -hmm. you weren't available to talk to them. And yep. therefore or I got yelled at for like looking at him a certain way or yeah. saying things with a certain tone of voice. Um, I know one time he got furious at me when we were shopping for new things for our apartment because I had gone over and looked at some plants while he was looking at like plates or something. And he was saying that I like had abandoned him and that he like uh. thought we, he thought we were there to shop together and I had just wandered off and oh my God, he yeah. was in a rage over it. I would. Yeah. Mm. That would not work. <laughs> I'd like to think that it also wouldn't work with, with me now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I probably yeah. would have said that before. So I always want to say it's hard yeah. to know what you would do, but it's hard yes, to know, especially if you're like, this person is overreacting so much that this must like be really a big deal to them. Yeah. And so I think like you kind of have an assumption that someone's going to be like reasonable and therefore like their reaction must mean that something really bad has really happened, even though you're like, I don't know mm -hmm. that this was really as, as bad as they say, but yeah, since trust they're acting your feelings. this way, right. like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, agree. That's why we're so often talking about, yeah, intuition and listening to that, which can be hard to do when you're with someone who's very abusive. So more signs of a possible trauma bond. Do you feel that you will never be able to connect with someone on the same level? Mm. This is absolutely not true. You will be able to connect with others and it will probably be even better because the relationship will hopefully be healthier. Do you feel unhappy with your partner, but still unable to leave? I also mm -hmm. understand this so much. Oh, another sign that you may be in a trauma bond. Do you fantasize about the good times? Yeah, that's sad and want them back. Yeah. Do you keep things about the relationship from others? That's a big one. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's huge. Like if you're like, I shouldn't tell my friends about this. Yeah. Because they would be upset. Mm -hmm. And like if you think that you're like more forgiving or understanding of the situation than like your parents or your friends would be, like other people you trust who have proven to be there for you, mm -hmm. like <laughs> big red flag. Yeah. Big red Great. flag. <laughs> yep. So another sign of a possible trauma bond. I, I like this one. And I think it's important to talk about. Do you feel that your partner needs you? 
I am a very, very, very firm believer that if you are not okay on your own, then it's probably not time for you to be in a relationship. Your partner will and should be okay without you. And I also want to point out that I definitely did this. My ex had multiple issues. He was a an addict of severely addicted to alcohol. And I remember one time we had moved to our new flat and we were unpacking a bunch of his stuff. And, um, I had come across, uh, or not come across. It was, we were unpacking his furniture and his furniture was like filthy. It was like covered in dirt. He, we had a dog and I guess he had just let the dog go out in the mud. And then, I mean, it was caked with dirt. What? These, you know, yes. Oh. Yes. And to, you know, like anyone who knows me, I would normally be quite disgusted by that. Yeah. But instead I wrote this story in my mind about how I'm so glad that he now has me to take care of him. And I'm thinking, oh, it must've been so sad for him not to have had a partner at that time. And I bet he was drinking and now he has me gross, (laughs) but I, I was just constantly telling myself, um, this story and he was actively using at the time as well. And I felt like somehow I was helping to like, keep a lid on it. It was, it was so dysfunctional. Um, but yeah, if you really think that he, your partner can't survive without you, you might want to examine that. Yeah. And there's a difference between knowing like, oh, like my partner would be like really sad if I left, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then believing that they'd like be in dire trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's different. Right. But we do hear that a lot. A lot of people say, you know, like I'm their only support. I can't leave. Yeah. I feel bad. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not healthy. And this is something I came across uh, whilst researching this. This is a test that might help. I found it from a Healthline article. If you want to test whether or not you are in a trauma bond with someone, ask yourself whether you'd encourage a loved one to leave a similar relationship. Answer that honestly. If you answer yes, but you still feel powerless to leave your relationship, it's a good indicator of trauma bonding. Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite exercises to to like work through with clients is like if it was your sister if it was your friend what would you tell them Mm -hmm. and yeah it can be quite illuminating (laughs) um so some tips for recovering from a trauma bond after a relationship so you're listening you're like oh fuck um (laughs) it can be hard when you're struggling with this type of breakup yeah so number one keep a journal write about your experiences. Not only do you deserve to be heard and journaling can be a great outlet for that, but it can also help when you're like gaslighting yourself and you're like, it wasn't that bad. You can go back and read and you're like, point play by play, this is what happened. And you're like, yeah, you're right. That really did happen and it was bad. Like you can't, you know, downplay things in your mind if you've written things down. And if you're still in the situation, like, you know, we are big, uh, like supporters of the fact that it does take some time to leave a a violent situation. Um, it often doesn't stick the first time you try, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, if it does like great for you, awesome, but we're not 
ever going to shame someone for staying in a situation, but like, please be careful. So if you are writing things down and stuff, like take some measures to make sure that they don't find it or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, second tip, talk to loved ones. This is so important because it will help like hack your brain chemistry in a better way for you. So connection is one of the most important ways to bolster yourself and prevent yourself from being drawn back in. And that's because the release of calming oxytocin can reduce cravings, ease withdrawal, and lessen pain. Freeman writes from earlier, the connection cannot be with this toxic partner. It has to be someone else because otherwise the bond will be deepened with them. This is often one of the reasons she feels that the no contact approach is so helpful. The brain doesn't have the chance to automatically release attachment chemistry in response to the partner, particularly if he's demonstrating good behavior. So such a good point. Yeah. This I think happened to me with dumpster fire because he was my main social connection to deal with the hurt that the breakup caused between him and I, which obviously didn't make me get over him. Um, In fact, it probably made it a lot harder to move on because I was bonding with him over the pain of the breakup that he caused. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I understand. Yep. Good points. Definitely. So more ways to recover, start doing things that you love, get the happy hormones coming from, uh, you know, a different, a different source and also learn new things. So I put both of these because I know from personal experience that when you're in a trauma bond, you can really, really lack joy in your life. Yeah. And so if you do something that you love or start learning something new that you end up loving, it can be a great, great, great way to help you heal and to realize that this person is not the only way to get those feelings. So for instance, I started doing five rhythms dancing when I was still in recovery from uh, my abuse and whoo, game changer. Oh my God. It's turned things around for me rather quickly, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm all about um, the physical movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I'm just thinking I, I would love to have someone in to talk about five rhythms dancing. And yeah. uh, I would also just encourage anyone who's finding it really hard to get over a breakup. See if this is available in your area. Yeah. You might, you might find that it turns things around for you as well. I do think they're starting to have five rhythms dancing again, um, for, um, the first time in a while, um, since the yeah. pandemic. So check it out. So another way to heal, avoid self-blame. This was not your fault. You never make anyone mistreat you you, or abuse you. And just if you can, and you might need support in this area, but if at all possible, remove this aspect of, you know, from, from the healing process that this was not your fault. Yeah. That's really the last thing you need right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, last up sit in the new so as you've left this circumstance and you know you're dating again and you're like oh there's no chemistry (laughs) sit in that from the angry therapist again this is when you must sit in it not like you're waiting for that uncomfortable feeling 
I'm paraphrasing. You're not waiting for the uncomfortable feeling of no chemistry to go. You're just sitting in that feeling intentionally. This means feeling the tug, being aware of it, and not acting on it. Loving someone with your brain and wisdom, not just what you feel. He says that is an irresponsible love, a young love, a movie trailer. Mm-hmm. Eventually, if you sit in the new long enough, fully and deeply, appreciating the contrast, your love buds, like your taste buds, will start to change. What you were attracted to will repel you. And this is how you know you have truly broken free. Yay. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Um, Freeman describes in her Psychology Today article like this, our brain is extremely responsive to what is happening in our environment. It releases chemicals in reaction to the toxic partner's behavior. If he or she pulls away and behaves poorly, there's a reaction that someone in a normal relationship would not experience. Normal partners do not create the same emotionally charged climate as the abuser. Context is everything when it comes to your brain. So your healthy relationships literally will not feel as crazy good as the toxic ones. Sorry Mm -hmm. to say, but you can change your preferences. Um, Yeah. And you might still have the new relationship energy, but you'll have it without the drops. Yeah. Without the drops. And as you get more regulated and used to normal chemical levels again, things that are positive and healthily good will start to feel good again. Just like, you know, the heroin addict will fall in love with working out and, you know, that'll become like a good high when, you know, it doesn't compare probably if you were to compare them to, but one of them is very much better for you. Yes. So, well, and I mean, I think that when it's something like coming off of an abusive relationship or a drug addiction that you find that you'll feel better overall Overall. without it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that you're not, you don't need this crazy high. Um, you you feel physically better when you're not reliant on something like something that's harmful for you. So we aren't going to go into too, too much detail about this. We do talk about healthy dating and healthy relationships a lot on this show. I'm happy to drop some episodes in the show notes, but preventing trauma bonds and future relationships. First of all, use this time to learn about your boundaries and learn about practicing having boundaries. Yeah. Very important. And I would say boundaries. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> have in what are the consequences when someone violates them? Think about these things, practice these things. Yeah. And of course, go slow when you start dating again. Go Abusive slow. people are known for trying to rush relationships. You could mm-hmm. very easily get in way over your head before you even know it's happening. So we talk about this a lot. Take your time when you're meeting people. And even when you're totally feeling it, you can still take your time. Yeah. And And it'll make that like beginning stages last longer, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. So moving on to a happier subject, fantasy bonds. (laughs) I don't know. Is Is it happier? (laughs) Well, it's less heavy, less heavy. I think a lot of people struggle with, with this, but yes, it's, it's less heavy. (laughs) It's, um, yeah. So yeah, 
<laughs> it definitely sounds a lot lighter on the uh, it, de- it sounds a lot lighter for, for sure. I feel <laughs> lighter moving on. I feel lighter. <laughs> Moira. Uh, okay, so Lisa Firestone, PhD, writes about her father, Dr. Robert Firestone's theory. So she probably heard about this like a lot. Um, (laughs) So in her Psychology Today article, A Guide to the Fantasy Bond, Break Free of the Destructive Elements of Your Relationships, she says, the fantasy bond creates an illusion of fusion we originally form with our parent or primary caretaker. The fantasy of being at one with our caretaker acts as a defense, helping relieve anxiety and emotional pain at times of distress. However, as we grow up, this very defense system limits our ability to pursue or accept real love or connection. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Earnshaw, MFT, writes for Mind Body Green, quote, fantasy bonds are, in essence, when you bond and attach to someone based on who you believe they can be or will be or what you believe they can or will be in the future. So, like, when we move in together, dot, 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 when we get married, dot, 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 when we have children, they'll be X, Y, Z. So it's based on like roles rather than like intimacy and like in the moment reality, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll go into a lot of um, detail about what exactly this means. I find fantasy bonds very fascinating. I found a great definition from therapy root. A fantasy bond allows us to maintain our imagination of love and loving an illusion of love, closeness, and connection with another while at the same time preventing real emotional contact. Mm. It can be created when a person is scared of being alone. Fantasy bonds can happen when a person has a fear of intimacy and so clings to the illusion of a connection rather than forming a connection itself. And it may also happen when a partner keeps their true hidden self in order to maintain the relationship. So basically you're like convincing yourself that you're in a good relationship when there, it lacks true intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that it, um, I guess the difference here is that you could be with a partner who is healthy and good for you and all of these things, but also not be connecting with them because you're trying to maintain this fantasy version of them yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not allowing for like the, I guess, uh, the, the more nuanced version of themselves that may be more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Completely. So what are some signs of a fantasy bond. This also will help to explain what it is yeah. if you're still feeling yeah, a little it confused. Is, it is one of those like where it's like, I kind of get it. Like right. we're drawing a circle, like it's somewhere in here. And now we're going to be like, these are some of the things. A little more, yeah, a little <laughs> more detail. So, first of all, enmeshment. So, just a reminder the term enmeshment describes relationships which have become so intertwined that boundaries are undifferentiated or diffused. These blurred boundaries become accepted and even seen as a sign of love, loyalty, and safety. Read more on the Mind Body Green Post 
what is enmeshment 12 signs to spot and how to heal. So a lot of people confuse enmeshment and codependency. They're very different. Um, but if you feel like you're enmeshed with your partner, it's a possible sign of a fantasy bond. Yeah. Some other signs being overly concerned about your partner's sexual gratification over your own being very routine in your sexual encounters rather than excited, engaged, or curious. That one hurts me to my soul. Like going through the motions, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah, that hurts me as well because it just doesn't have to yeah. be that way. It's like we do this position and then we switch to yeah. position. Mm -hmm. Or just kind of wanting it to be over, position. not being not being engaged, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, fear of revealing one's truth thoughts or a tendency to keep your thoughts to yourself Ugh. um yeah. falling into a routine with someone rather than creating time together this is one reason that i'm always encouraging people not to get into a rut with someone or a pattern or routine really early in the relationship, you know, it's easy to do, you know, having dinner and watching TV every night when you're, you should just still be getting to know each other yeah. because when you go get into that type of pattern, you, you don't build a true connection or it can prevent you from building a true connection yeah. and really making a very, very informed decision about whether this is your person. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, another one, lack of eye contact. I think that's really interesting. Um, there was an article, is it true love or just a fantasy? Five tips to find out. Um, and that article says eye contact is a sign of not being truly connected with your partner. It's a sign that we're not, eye contact is a sign that we're not just listening we're actually really paying attention to what the other person is saying, how they're saying it, and what their words might mean. And a lack of eye contact is often interpreted as a sign that you or your significant other do not care. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been you're, you're not being present. And presence, and why it's important is that presence is a sign of true intimacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another possible sign of a fantasy bond is codependence or white knight syndrome slash rescuer syndrome. I will definitely drop that episode in the show notes. If you feel like your role is to help the other person, but you don't feel like your own needs are being met or even that you don't know what your needs are and that you're not yeah. even thinking about it or saying yeah. that you don't have needs, oh. <laughs> you know, a, a relationship <laughs> is a two-way thing. Yeah. So another possible sign of a fantasy bond, you spend all of your time together and you don't keep your own interests. Again, this is kind of, you know, going through the motions and, um, <laughs> and, um, yeah. that sentence, I, yeah, I should have left the trail of breadcrumbs. I don't but, know where um, I was trying but, to go um, with that. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> Please. All right. So getting over a fantasy bond after a breakup. I think that it can be a bit jarring and confronting to kind of realize that you had just invested a lot of time yeah. with someone that, and then kind of realizing afterward that you didn't really have the intimacy that you had convinced yourself that you yeah. had. You did not have the, what it took for a long-term relationship, the way that you thought, or that you had, or that it was all in your head. You know, I, yeah. I've done that. I think, I think in the past I've been a bit self-deceptive. Um, when I, 
yeah, you know, this desire of mine to be loved. You know, I think yeah. that there's been times that I've kind of written a story about being close with people, friends perhaps. And it, and when it came down to it, it really wasn't there, you know? Yeah. So I can, I can relate to this a, a, a bit. Yeah. First of all, accept that it happened. And that was important for me. I have to say I had some relationships yeah. in Melbourne and I did have to really accept that I had kind of fooled myself. Um, and then after you accept that, give yourself grace. We all want to be loved and we all find it in different ways. And it can be easy to get into this type of cycle and you don't need to then go around beating yourself up. You don't need shame. You don't need guilt. That was a very, very, very important part of my healing yeah. is, you know, I said, I needed love. I needed support, or at least that's what I was telling myself. And I, I found it this way and I was doing the best I could under some pretty yeah. stressful circumstances. <laughs> you so. were. Mm. Strengthen connections and intimacies with friends so that you'll be more in touch with what healthy relationships are. I think this is a great tip. You know, you don't only have to find intimacy with a romantic partner. You can find true intimacy with friends. You can find true intimacy with family members and work on strengthening those relationships right now. Yeah. Put yourself in situations where you are able to have meaningful conversations. I think that people can really lack this in their lives, kind of going through the day, even connecting with lots of people, but without having meaningful chats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Being comfortable with meaningful conversations can really, really help once you start dating again, because you'll be able to realize this is surface level or this is something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Practice being present with yourself and others. This can start on your Zoom calls, you know, with, with coworkers, or it can start in, you know, being on the phone with a friend there, or, you know, going out to eat on the weekends, having happy hour. You know, if you're going to do something with someone else, practice being really there with them. Yeah. Ooh, this is a good one. Practice self-pleasure. Reclaim sex for yourself and your ability to ask for and receive what you want. Yeah. Do not let this time being single go to waste. Learn about your body. Learn about what you love and, you know, explore. And yeah. you, it, the more that you explore this, the more you'll be able to communicate it with someone else. And again, the more you'll be able to know, am I just going through the motions sexually or is this what I want. Yeah. We mm -hmm. need to do an episode on how to communicate what you want in sex. In bed. Yeah. It is so important. And like people have so much fear around it and fear mm -hmm. around speaking up. And then, you know, sometimes you get like bad advice where like I was watching this one video of this like male love coach or whatever. And he was like, don't uh speak up during sex don't say ouch even if it hurts what? because yeah because it'll hurt the self-esteem of your male lover and i'm like oh oh no God. that's yeah. horrible yeah also so, that's horrible for any man to hear yeah exactly because i I'm sorry. That's dangerous. 99% of like, if you're in a hetero relationship, you're, you know, in bed, man and woman, right? Like the guy wants to know what's going to work for you. Like he doesn't want to be just like 
doing something that you're not enjoying. Yes. Like, well, I, he should want that. And exactly. these types of messages can maybe even subconsciously affect how, how they show up in the, in the bedroom. Yeah. And also just so everyone knows sex is not supposed to hurt. So you should no. definitely address yeah. it if no. it does. <laughs> That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So we need to, we need to talk about that. Let's move on to preventing fantasy bonds. So you're like yeah. dating, you're like, oh no, let's Yeah, not do I think this. this is important because a lot of people listening will have recently gone through a breakup. And so you yeah. might, you know, start dating again and you can play tricks, you know, your mind can yeah. play tricks on you when you really want to be in a relationship. Exactly. So I'm glad we're talking about this aspect. Especially if someone's like really hot. Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Number one, slow dating. You knew it was coming. You knew we'd talk about it. Don't make up stories about this person, their potential. Or like one thing I think I've heard of a lot is like you're kind of thinking about like what you would say about your first dates on your like wedding night. No, you're like, everyone, no. Yeah, and it's like, oh my God. No. So don't be calling your friends and being like, I think I met my husband like just in case so that you can say that you said that on your wedding day. Like, I don't care. It's not worth it. It's really, <laughs> really harmful to start writing a story about the relationship. Yeah. I also think one of my tips is I don't really make a big deal when I meet someone or when I'm going on a first date, you know, like yeah. I don't tell everyone, I don't say how excited I am yeah. and he sounds great because already you're writing a story before yeah. you even have your date. I don't hear about your dates until afterwards. <laughs> it's <laughs> so a, kind of a rule like, of until, mine. Like you're not dating that person anymore pretty <laughs> much. horribly. <laughs> um yeah and that was a practice that you learned to do it wasn't something you naturally did so if you're like think if you're like oh my god how do I do that it's something you teach yourself over time and you like mess up occasionally and you just like get back on your feet so um another idea for preventing this is to fucking love who you are and live authentically um and yeah like because then it becomes non-negotiable exactly yeah if you're being fully authentically yourself and you're not creating stories about this person if they don't like you they'll leave and if they do like you they'll stick around and you'll have (laughs) like a great connection that's like built on like both of you being authentic yeah um learn to love being single so that you don't want to sacrifice the best parts of it when you connect with someone so understand that the things you're giving up when you couple with someone so you can make an informed decision about whether or not the relationship is worth it yeah not just they like me too yay yay like we're taught that like finding a partner is like this prize that we're striving for but you do give up a lot in order to be in a relationship with someone Mm -hmm. so you know enjoy it you don't have to be like i want to be single forever that's fine Mm -hmm. like we do we are humans we do like connection so that is very natural but you're not gonna just give it away for the small price of someone liking you. Right. Like, it should be really a special thing that you decide to do because yeah. it's worth it to be with this person. Exactly. Lots of people are going to like you. You're awesome. So yep. be a little bit discerning about mm-hmm. who you, you know, spend a lot of time with. So 
And finally, get really specific about what your boundaries are before you begin dating again and actively voice them to those you date. This is a constant learning process. So like boundaries will like evolve as you have more experiences that you might not have thought about before <laughs> dating. So, you know, you can continue forming boundaries after dating, but at least have like your solid core ones pretty set set up before you start dating again. Yep. And again, you'll connect with someone who respects your boundaries and that leads to intimacy. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, if you're out there and you're struggling either with getting over a trauma bond or a fantasy bond, we are so glad that you found this show. We are definitely here for you. We believe in you. You can get over both of these things. I know that it seems really hard right now, but if you commit to your healing, you can get there. Mm. Yep. Yes. And do it. Yeah, you've got this. We We will see you you. next week for another episode of X-Files. Ooh, and if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to hear from you on Apple Podcasts if you want to leave us a five-star rating and review. That would be amazing. Yes, we appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. See you then. Thank you for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you liked this episode, please help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by following the show on Spotify. And if you'd like to connect more with us and learn about breakup coaching, find us on Instagram at X-Files Podcast.